God is doing amazing things on uh, planet Earth, is he not? Really amazing things. Um, I had the privilege of, uh, I went to a church in Ashford yesterday morning to do um, for a breakfast where they had gathered probably 40 or 50 people just to um, ask me to talk to them about what it means to have a, a kingdom culture and what the, the manifestations of that are. So it's just exciting just to be able to tell them stories of, of what is actually relatively normal for us now. Um, and the sense of actually when you get the, the, the environment right, when you get the culture of a place right, actually things grow. Yeah? So if you get an environment right and the seeds are there, they, they grow. The, and so it's, it's quite natural. So, you know, we get used to hearing stories of, 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 of healing. Um, I, I loved it. Actually, the, um, in evening school, um, uh, there was a, a lady who, who actually had this, this testimony of calming a storm. And that was quite interesting. I remember and Roger Harpham did as well, didn't he? When he was on a plane. Yeah. That's an extraordinary story. So actually we've got two stories in the last few months of people actually calming storms. The one from the lady from the evening school um, was telling us it was extraordinary. They were, they were back in, remember that bad weather we had earlier in the, in, in the year, you know, when it was wet in the springtime. There were lots of storms going on. And um, this couple were driving home in their car through a storm. And the, you know what it's like in a storm and, and, and you car's been buffeted so it's very difficult to drive difficult to see out the windscreen so she prayed for God to stop the, the storm and what happened was the storm itself didn't stop but they drove through a storm free zone all the way home <laughs> thinking, actually their, their, their car was, was so their car wasn't buffeted they could, you're thinking that, that's even more amazing somehow you're thinking, well, you know you think whoa so Jesus calmed storms did he not he said, we can do the works that he does. So we're starting to believe what he can. We're healing the sick. Got some fantastic testimonies of healing. Um, and you know, I just, there's, there's one that I um, just recount to you. Um, one of our day school students, uh, Katie, um, her father-in-law, has had a very, um, uh, well, it's a serious and unusual cancer in his sinuses um, and has been treated at the Royal Marsden. And um, uh, well, again, medically speaking, expectation of treatment that's not going to cure, just going to sort of help. Um, but um, <laughs> his scans have recently shown that he's completely clear of cancer. <clears throat> So, so, so the, these are days to be excited. And, but there's something that I've been thinking about. Is, is, and I'm going to try and share with you a little bit of, of um, my Bible study over the last two weeks. Because I've got hold of something. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm starting to talk about it with some people. I think, I think this is important. Um, because there are, um, there are extraordinary verses in the Bible that you can ask for whatever you want and you'll get it. They are there, aren't they? You think it, and it's difficult to, to, to really understand them and, and to get to grips with them, but I know it's true. Yeah? But it does, does beg a few questions. So, well, what is it you can actually ask for? What is it you're wanting? Um, I'll give you an example for this. Is, is if you're a sports fan... So if, 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 come here a minute, Tim. So, so Tim, Tim, Tim is a Manchester United fan. Shame, shame. I'm a Chelsea fan. Now, tonight we're going to be watching the World Cup final together, so there's no, no problems. We, 
But if Chelsea are playing Manchester United and we want to pray about it, <laughs> I'm not sure it's a matter of who's got enough faith. But actually, if I pray for Chelsea to win and he plays for Manchester United to win, you could get a draw. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's it. We, but, but we don't want to draw. We want to win. How does God sort that out? I don't know. Um, so so it, it does raise some questions. So does it really mean that? And it does, but I'm trying to, you know, so what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? These are, these are little conundrums you have to try and get to grips with. And you can't just fudge them if you're going to deal with this stuff, because I do believe it's true. Um, but I think we have to make sure we, we, we get our thinking right. And there are other um, verses like, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things get added to you. What's the all? So, but actually, it's, but what that tells you is, if you get things in the right priority, then things follow in the right line. Um, so, one of the things I've been thinking about recently is that one of the things that we do in school, and we, we're looking to um, uh, develop a, a course that will be available for everybody, is a thing called Dream Culture. Now, how many of you have actually heard about Dream Culture and? Somebody, which is actually just a teaching of actually trying to go down these things. Can you ask for anything you want? What is it you want? How good is God? Is basically, is, is actually, is begging a question. Is he good enough to answer your dreams? Well, I think yes, the answer, because otherwise it'd be kind of frustrating, wouldn't it? Um, and earlier on this week, I was, um, I was just driving somewhere and I, I decided I'd, I just wanted to grab a, um, uh, a, a message, a sermon CD, um, because I wanted to listen to something uh, while I was driving. And I just thought, oh, that's interesting. I, I grabbed a, C, uh, um, a CD, which was of um, Kim and myself sharing uh, just after we got back from having lived in, in California for three months when we'd been at Reading for three months. And I thought, oh, this would be interesting. Wonder what, I wonder what we said, you know, because sometimes you, you forget things. And one of the things that I, I shared there was how I'd been... Um, struck by something that Bill Johnson said. He said that God is looking for people who are not afraid to pursue the dreams that he gives them. Okay. So if God gives you a dream, does he want you to pursue it? Yeah. Okay. Now that, that's good. Now sometimes difficulty is working out whether it's his dream or your dream, and are they different or into... Okay. I'm just trying to give you a little insight into the sort of things that I'm... That I'm um, tussling with in my brain, but I think it's important we get answers to the questions. Um, does God want to bless you abundantly? Good. I agree. Does he want to do miracles? Yes. Okay. And just on, on a, um, another you know, relevant front at the moment, I remember talking with Raquel. Um, it was last Sunday leading up to the the operations this, this week for Jeremiah's kidney. Now, we've seen Jeremiah have touches of God over the years, but we haven't seen him miraculously healed. Or, have we? Or is he impressive? Now, because, it's interesting, because Jeremiah, you can understand this, he's about, is he nine or ten? Eight. So you can understand, it's difficult for him to understand. He's in this environment, and, and so he was saying to his mum, why didn't I get my miracle? Good question. And Rachel said, actually, actually, 
Jeremiah, you have. You've had miracles through, through the doctors. And uh, she said, he said, oh, well, what's that mean? She said, well, who, who gave the doctors their brains and their ideas? Then she went on to recount to him how that his life had been saved 14 times by medical intervention. You can now make that 15. There's, there's a common grace of God upon our lives that, that sometimes we, 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 we miss. And God is doing stuff. And, and now I love, I want, I, I would have loved, it would have been my heart's desire to see Jeremiah get a brand new kidney miraculously. And, and I'm still praying. Actually, I'm praying for Rakecore to get one back. So I, I honestly am. I thought, why not? I want to pray. Why, why, you know, I thought that's a, that's a decent prayer, isn't it? And I, I wanna, why not for Jeremiah, he's got one good kidney. Well, why not the other one? Just, so it's not it's not done, and but there is no competition between medicine and healing. You've, you've told me, heard me say that many many times. So what I want to talk to you about very briefly, and I haven't got enough time to go into this in depth, is the issue of the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment, because I believe this is a really important foundational issue in our lives that the other stuff needs to land on. Okay. So, listen to this. Philippians 4, starting at verse 10, says this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. So, concern is good. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. So, so Paul's saying, I know what it is to be in need. He says, and I know what it is to have plenty. Now, probably most of us can equate with that. You know, times when you've got plenty going on, no troubles, and actually there's like, oh, real, real needs. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And this is what he says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I think that is a fantastic way to live it. And I think it gives you a foundation for life. Um, so the secret of contentment whatever the circumstances and one of the things I think is really important is, is to learn not to be a victim of circumstance if you feel victimized by your circumstances then you're going to, be, you're going to get into tr- difficulty spiritually okay so this is here another verse in you can go away and do do, do word searches on being con- on content and contentment. Says Hebrews 13, five, verse 5 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, there is, is part of the secret. The love of money, the love of money, which brings things, the love of material things, <laughs> it says keep yourself free from that. Now, this is, I think, helps us in, in, in the dream area because if, if all your dreams are about having a new Ferrari... It's not my dream. I'm not worried about it, but I'd have other dreams. You know, um, if, if, if our dreams are effectively material about just you know, personal satisfaction, then they're going to be lacking. Now, having said that, is God disinterested in those? No. I've seen God do extraordinary things in terms of providing for me and my family. And... Um, 
I remember um, when I, uh, I left my partnership in general practice in 1994 and um, uh, sat down with our, cho- with our children and we explained to them what was happening in life and basically saying that, that actually that they didn't need to worry, we'd have enough money, but actually what we wouldn't have would be the same amount of money to be able to experience the same sort of holidays that they enjoyed up until that moment in time. We're just preparing our kids actually for decreasing income. And, but we said, you don't need to worry about it, but this is, this is how it might affect you, that you shouldn't expect to have the same sort of holidays we've got. But that's okay because we can still go on holiday in this country and stuff like that. Within three months, we were spending uh, three weeks on holiday in Florida at Disney World because my parents gave us £3,000 and said, the only thing you can spend this on is a holiday in Florida. <laughs> Do you understand? But... but there was, there was an interesting thing that said, actually, because we, we were trying to teach contentment, but then you know what? God goes way beyond. So I know he's able to bless abundantly way beyond. I'm not saying that, but actually, the, what the condition of your heart is what I'm trying to get at, because if you're discontent and dissatisfied, it is not a good landing place. So... 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 is, 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 and going on, is an excellent passage. I'm just going to throw you out some to, to study. And I'm going to read some out. Then I'm going to try and give you a few of what I think are the ways to learn the secret of contentment. If Paul says it's a secret, it's something you have to discover. You, know, you have to push in for it. You have to look for it. You have to find it. It's not necessarily immediately obvious. So there's a secret to be, be, be gained. So 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. So one of the best things you could ever gain in life is, is godliness, which means being like him. Now, have you got Holy Spirit inside you? Wow. Is that something to be content about? I think so. Now, does it mean to say you don't want any more? No, it's not saying that. I'm not saying that, that, that you should just content and never expect any more. But there is a, a sense of contentment is, is, is a fantastic landing place for the more. Because if you're not content, what the more will do will not lead you to greater contentment. That makes sense to you. you know, when people are insecure around things, it doesn't matter how much affirmation you pour in, it doesn't deal with the whole of, of, of insecurity. If you've got a whole of discontentment, it doesn't matter how much blessing God pours into it, it doesn't deal with the basic issue of discontent. Okay? You only have to see people who've got lots of money and they just want more. So, one of the challenges of our society is that it breeds discontent. So, how many of you have seen the, the stuff recently about house prices, rises going up and in London, and you think, God, I wish I put one of them ten years ago. <laughs> and it was, wow, and, and, um, and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, this, and, and uh, there's this thing in the newspaper, somebody bought a house in London for this, it's gone up a million pounds in ten years. Oh. Now, how many of us live in decent houses? Well, most of us do, I think. Don't you, com- comparatively, in world terms, what, what, what the, this stuff does, it, it feels, ooh, oh, if only, and regret and stuff like that. Regret's a terrible place to live. What's advertising designed to do? Advertising is designed to make you discontent with what you've already got, so you need that. That's, that's the basic premise of it. God talks a lot about not loving money, doesn't he? 
Now, I want you to understand, because this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. The Bible does not say that, that money is the root of all evil. It does not say that. It says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's not the only... It's that, so misquoted that, okay? The, the issue is not how much money you've got. It's actually whether you love it. And I've seen poor people who love money and rich people who love money, and neither of them are content. I've also seen poor people who don't love money and live extraordinarily content, and I've seen rich people who live without the love of money. So the issue is not how much you've got, it's actually the condition of your heart. And um, so godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Now there's a reality check. Okay? So you're entrusted with some stuff while you live on planet Earth. And at the end, you don't take it with you. What can you take with you? Your heart. Godliness. Faith, hope, and love. These three things actually abide, it says. And what Jesus encouraged us to do, Jesus encouraged us to store up treasure, didn't he? Jesus encouraged you to be a materialist. Did you know that? It's just a matter of where you choose to store it. Where did he say store up your treasure? In heaven. Do you know what? And he's the best financial advisor going. Because he explains why that is. He says, do you know what? Because up there, it can't get stolen. A moth can't eat it. It doesn't rust. It never decays. Okay. But down here, it does. You can't take it with you. Now, here's a challenge. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it kind of boils it down to the, the basic ingredients. You, usually in the Bible, it has one more, which is food, clothing, and shelter. Food, clothing. I know some of you are going, how much clothing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at any particular gender here, but, you know, that's, it tends to be more interested to one gender than another. <laughs> it's just true. <clears throat> I remember when we were working in Kenya, worked in a mission hospital in Kenya, and one day we were, we were driving through the Rift Valley of Kenya, and my goodness, was it hot. And I saw this guy walking by, and he's got a bobble hat on, about three jumpers and he's walking I said well what's he doing he says oh he's just taking all he's got with him (laughs) oh oh. that's what he's got three jumpers bobble hat I'm not sure it's too useful in the Rift Valley but I was thinking could have done with another pair of shorts but Let me tell you, yeah, I've got, I love, there's so many stories I can tell you from around the world. I'm going to, I want to tell you this one. One of the most, um, not difficult circumstances of my life, one of the most, most experiences I've had that I found, found 
extremely challenging to my heart and my mind was when I was in Peru and we were working with, with uh, churches who were in pretty poor areas. Not, not destitute, no, not desolate, but they, they had houses, but they had very little. You know, they had enough to get by. And their major focus of outreach was to the ones who had less than them. You know, so they would sacrificially give out of the little that they had to help those who actually had a, even less. And uh, so we, we were um, working with them, and uh, one e- evening I was doing a, uh, a meeting where I was speaking. I had a friend with me. Actually, Dave Webster was on this trip, but he wasn't in this meeting because he was struck down by the rotten things that happened to your tummy over there, poor chap. Um, but... Um, so, he did an amazing job on that trip. It was a good trip, but unfortunately Dave wasn't at this meeting. So I had get my friend Lee Yarbrough next to me, who's from Mexico, because he was translating. And we were sitting at the front, and there's these people. There's about 60 people in this little hut. And they say, right, we're going to take up an offering now before the, before the speaker comes. We're going to take up an offering now. I think, oh, okay. And, um, and he says, because what we know is that it's, it's um, very difficult for people from the West, when they come to Peru, not to get upset tummies, as was evident. The best thing we, we know is, is for them to eat fish. So we're going to take an offering now so these two guys can have a fish meal. <laughs> so we, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my word. So these, I'm then sitting on the front. I'm then watching these people come and give whatever little bit of money they have into a little pot so that my friend and I can have a fish meal which we could have paid for any day of the week ten times over. Do you know what? People are happy people. And I thought, wow, these people, they, they weren't frightened of blessing the rich and the poor. You know, no, I just, it, was, it was humbling, really was humbling. And, and it helped me understand that passage in the Bible when, when David's three mighty men, you know, when they, they battle through to get him a glass of water and they come back with it and they give it to him and he pours it on the ground. I always thought that was really ungrateful. I've never understood that. I hadn't understood that verse until that moment in time. But basically, you thought, we just did not feel worthy of this, what was going on in front of us. But you know what would happen if I said, no, please don't do it. Well, who would I have robbed? them of dignity and joy because actually they were happy and they were hosting us in a, in a most appropriate way and you know there's something about this this ability to be generous and content and they were people who were content and in that context it was amazing david and i met a lady who'd been raised from the dead didn't we we had tea in her house it was really quite surreal <laughs> so you were dead and now you're serving me tea yeah. Get your brain around it. People who want to get rich, it says this is one Timothy six verse. People who want to get rich, so the desire for riches fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Later on in, in the same passage, it says this, command those who are rich. Now, I think we need to actually classify ourselves in the rich section of, of the world, in reality. Now, 
I don't know your personal circumstances, and I understand their financial struggles and stuff like that, and debt and things like that, but actually, <clears throat> command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. And that's one of the problems, isn't it? That actually, what's your hope rest in? Because if you can learn to have your hope completely rested in God, you will find contentment there. But if your hope is resting in wealth, you will find it difficult to be content because you'll be watching it go up and down because actually it does, doesn't it? We can do what's enough. <clears throat> now it says this, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, that is a, that's a verse that's worth studying just in its own right. But you know what? The way you use your wealth in this life actually lays up foundation for the next life and actually taking hold of life, the true life. And one of the things I think, one of the secrets of contentment is actually an eternal perspective. And I think it's one of the challenges we have when we're living in, in what we call, we're pressing in for everything we can possibly get now, which is, I'm not going to stop doing that. Yeah? Is there more to have of God? Is there more of heaven to experience? Yes, always, every day. So I always want more. Yeah? But that has to sit on a, on a contentment rather than discontentment. It's a strange thing, isn't it? I've got to be content, but I want more. And the, one of the secrets of that contentment is knowing that actually when this mortal body is finished, I go into another realm which never finishes. Yeah? And, and the pleasures and, 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 and extravagance of, of heaven in the eternal realm will be beyond our wildest imagination. Okay, so here's a quick question. How many of you think that it's a smart thing to save for retirement or have a retirement plan in place? It is. One thing is a challenge. I'm doing that. Okay, so how long do you think you'll be retired for? 30 years, maybe 40. Don't know, do you? It depends how quickly you retire. And it's impossible to say. What I do say is actually it's much, much more important to have a plan for eternity. That's the smart thing to do. <clears throat> So, I'm just trying to throw some things out. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, Jesus said, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Okay, so, oh, I've got about a couple of minutes to try and give you some of the secrets. I think the secrets of contentment is linked to the secret of generosity. I think generosity is one of the secrets to contentment. The importance of eternal perspective. Try and keep yourself free from the love of money. How do you do that? Don't worry about it. Worrying about money is worshipping it. Because you're giving it more attention than it's due. Can you trust God for your finances? Yeah. One of the keys to that is giving. You can't get away from it. I trust God with my first part of my finances. Kim and I have done this since we were teenagers. And this, see, we taught our children right from the earliest days that they could possibly understand to give a tenth of their, their pocket money, their income. Why? Because we were training them to trust God. 
Lots of legalists. We had, they had a I Love Jesus jar. When we gave them pocket money, we started off with 20p, and we made sure that they had, enough, they had it in coins so that they had 2p to put in the I Love Jesus jar. Tithing is a foundation that generosity then builds on. Okay? I said it before. Tithing is not, not the, uh, the apex of generosity. Tithing is, is a foundational principle in your Christian life <clears throat> that basically you can then build upon. And I think it is one of the secrets of contentment. Um, how about this? Thanksgiving. Have you got a gratitude attitude? As we, could, we talk, our kids have a gratitude attitude. So we actually, um, Kim and I still do this. When we have a meal, meal, meal in the evening together, we still thank God for the meal and we thank him for something else. We taught our children to do this, not just to thank God for the meal, but actually they had to think of something else to thank God for. Also when they had bedtime prayers, you develop a gratitude attitude. So you have this thing. So I'm looking to be thankful rather than un, un, unthankful. You know, I'm looking rather, so, so that attitude, so develop a gratitude attitude. And the other one I say is, is make the choice to rejoice. Can you remember those two? Gratitude, attitude, choice to rejoice. I've always got something to rejoice about. In any circumstance. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And I've got the Holy Spirit inside me. So I, so, who was anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions? Jesus. How did that come about? By the Holy Spirit. It says actually Jesus was filled with joy by the Holy Spirit. So, oh, I can have the same level in me. So joy can be my daily portion. And one of the other ways to just talk about that, I think, is, and I just think this is a, we're living in this moment of, of sacrificial love, which is what generosity is. How, what we, I'm not sure we've got a better demonstration in our church community of Rake, than, than Rakewell's sacrificial love for Jeremiah at this moment in time. Pretty generous to give one of your kidneys. Why did she do it? Does she have to? No. She wanted Jeremiah to benefit from something that he hadn't got. That's beautiful, is it not? So, um, one of the things I try and do um, in terms of, of this contentment is actually listening to God of what he wants me to do with my money. Um, so tithing I just do, he's done, uh, and I don't have to listen to him for that, I'm ju- I just do it, I know. Um, so I want to know what he wants me to do with the other 90%, because that's really where it, the fun begins. And I'm just as quickly, I try and hear him. Now, just a story from, from a ma- many years ago, I remember a number of years ago, um, and um, my, my, God basically told me to send my sister 53 pounds. I said, that's a really strange amount. Why 53? And, and he said, I did it. So I sent her, in, in, I didn't know anything about what was going on, in, you know, so just 53 pounds. So I sent it off in the post. And a few days later, I got a phone call from my sister. She said, thank you so much for sending us that check. It arrived this morning, but we didn't get it until we'd gone out. We had to buy a new stair carpet because it was unsafe and it was risky for our children and it cost us £53. (laughs) That did me good. It did me good. It did her good. Do you know what? There is is something about that. There's a joy in doing that. And you know what? Faith. And you know what? I thought, yeah, that's a good way to use my money. 
God's given us so much. He's given us resources. We need to be content with what we have, but are happy to ask for more. Yeah? Don't stop asking. I'm not saying don't go for more, but actually, if it rests on the bed of contentment, I think God has found a foundation where he can bless beyond measure without risk of damaging you. Because God doesn't want to give you riches, particularly if it's going to damage you. I'd like you to stand with me. Can you pray about this issue? Actually, your heart, your heart issue. Ask God to, to give you a pure heart with regards to this issue of contentment. I'm going to come back to it sometimes because it's not finished what I'm saying about this. But if you, I can suggest that you go away and study this issue of contentment, look at it in the Bible and think, and just examine your own, your own motives around things. So, Father, I pray that you would lead us into the secret of contentment. Thank you that you are an amazing God and you bless us beyond measure. Thank you that we have the greatest treasure of all already inside us, which is your presence. But we do ask for more. Father, I pray you give us wisdom around this of asking for more and being content. Father, I pray you'd open up our eyes to see these truths. Help me, help each one of us to know this secret of contentment and to enjoy the abundance of God.